0: Hi, my name is Susan Page, and I am a lead peer counselor and a mental health advocate from San Francisco, California. Today's podcast is about branding. Gary talks about direct-to-consumer, intentional, and creative branding, and highlights that branding is not one-dimensional. Tweet at V for your chance to intro a podcast. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. I'm super excited that you're here. Excited for this fireside chat. Uh, We have plenty of seats, so everybody standing back, feel free to fill out. I apologize if I rush out on a whim. I gotta get to the airport and (laughs) I've learned my lesson on missing flights in this town in the past, so I'll be following DRock's call, and so let's get into it. Yeah, nice, cool. My name is Senior Reporter. The drama
1: cover of Brands Digital. So excited to be here today to chat about Pure digital brands, um, and I guess we can kick off with talking about empathy wines, which we recently launched. Can you give me a bit of insight into why you launched that? We're seeing big trends and brands moving into the deep sea space and launching like, purely digital
0: brands. So, for context, you know, I wrote the, one of the first checks into Birchbox, and a lot of early kind of 2000. 11, 12 DTC movement and obviously in the last 24 months because of the sheer scale of the underpriced attention of Facebook and Instagram and the amount of capital that is available and the growth of Shopify and Amazon, all these macro trends have led to an enormous growth of direct-to-consumer brands. So I'm watching that and obviously my great Thesis of creating VaynerMedia was to buy nostalgic brands, so I haven't been highly motivated to do Gymshark or Fashion Nova or, you know, hymns. Like, that's, that's not where my passion lies, though I've been seeing all the growth. In parallel, I had two specific executives at VaynerMedia, uh, that were part of a team called the Office of the CEO. So in theory, a couple years ago, I realized how stretched I was. So I created a team to act like a chief of staff, and there was four of them. And after a year of it, it just wasn't as efficient. You know, I moved to one chief of staff, which has been working much better. But I had these, you know, multiple executives that were super talented. Two of them, John Troutman and Nate Schroeder, who are my partners in Empathy Wine had been with me since they were interns in my wine business before VaynerMedia, and then came to Vayner. John had left and worked for a distributor even for a year and a half and came back. So as an entrepreneur, we're making this macro decision on the Vayner side. I'm sitting with these incredible human assets, which is really kind of the KPI of the whole Vayner thing to begin with. Mm-hmm. There's this incredible push of DTC, and as a third layer, I'm weirdly missing wine for the first time, right? When you do something for 20 years and it's like the only thing you're passionate about, you get burnt out. And so when I left Wine Library to do Vayner, it was so refreshing and I was excited to not even think about wine. Um, And then a couple years later it was fun because I started looking at wine like a consumer. You know, my whole life I'd go out to a restaurant like, oh, they're making a ton of money on this and this wine sucks and all that kind of stuff. And so that got fun and it started becoming fun again. Nobody was doing anything super crazy. There were some wine clubs that were doing incredibly well but there was no purebred direct-to-consumer brand at the kind of scale so that's why it happened. We're off to an incredible start. We've sold almost $2 million worth of inventory in the first six months without spending any media dollars all off organic against my brand. We did that as a strategy to see if we could gleam insights at scale for my audience to make us deploy the, the media even in a better way. The A-B testing against Gary fans versus wine drinkers as a whole. And so the next year for Empathy is gonna be really exciting because I think we're really now gonna act like a brand more so than the leverage off a personal brand.
1: Really interesting. You mentioned that actually. I'm interested to find out more about the kind of media plan and what that looks like for Empathy Line, Because you launched it on Instagram. Is that the most important platform?
0: In I, I, you know, the funny part is I'm not sure. And we we launched it everywhere, right? You might have saw it on Instagram, but we put on YouTube and podcast and, and Twitter and LinkedIn and email. And you know, we're we're pretty excited to go as many platforms as possible uh, to bring as much value here. I think one thing for everybody to think about with direct-to-consumer brands is to understand, I set up earlier the phenomenon on the consumer side of why it's happening. There's a very important thing I said very quickly and I'll say it again. There's so much capital in the world today that VCs have to deploy it. That's how they live. and. One thing that everybody really needs to realize about some of these incredible brands that we all love on Instagram or pre-roll YouTube or wherever you see them is, most of them are actually underwater. They're raising so much capital so they can play a game where their customer acquisition is $31 but their margin on that is 19, so they're 12 bucks underwater. Our clients at VaynerMedia, for example, or established businesses that are held accountable to Wall Street can't do that. And so there's, some incredible things that are going on with these brands but if tomorrow the global economy decides to start the process in the other direction, 98% of the brands that we think are crushing it will be out of business. Because they won't be able to raise the next round. They're too underwater. Their math doesn't work on customer acquisition and profitability and it's game fucking over. And so we need to have a little bit better Uh, of a conversation, we need to have more of a practical conversation around DTC's brands to realize many of the ones that we put on a pedestal. I always say to my friends, it doesn't take a hero to lose money every month. And I think we need to be thoughtful that a lot of these brands are not building actual brand. They're, They're really CAC and LTV conversion sales machines that are arbitraging against influencers or Instagram and they need to be very thoughtful about building brand right now because when shit hits the fan, it will be brand that will get them through the dark time.
1: What is the best way for DTC brands to build brand, brand you know We're seeing a lot of like out at home and traditional TV ads from these kind of digital companies.
0: I think it's a huge mistake. And I think you're seeing it because they're wasting money and they don't care. And I think that they the biggest delta is we, we literally, what's amazing to watch these brands go so heavy on traditional above the line creative is that the great case study of modern creative comes in the form of Dollar Shave Club. The Dollar Shave Club video is this generation's just do it or where's the beef? It really is an iconic piece of creative that birthed the billion dollar brand. The number one mistake that direct-to-consumer brands at scale are making right now is not creating long-form video on Facebook and YouTube to build brand equity, Um, and that's how I see it. And I think there are a couple brands that are actually, for that matter. Uh, Purple Mattress. If you, if, you, if, you, if you nerd on this stuff, you should go look at what Purple Mattress is doing as a company versus what Casper is doing as a company, right? One is very hardcore DTC and is growing and is the leader, Casper, but Purple is creating a lot of creative. The $180,000 production and creative execution risk of making a funny video, a video that makes you cry, a video that makes you think, if you hit that, your CAC and LTV numbers get really good real fast because now you're training on brand and um, and that's the ultimate goal. And
1: then in terms of the platforms, yes. what does it mean for social media platforms, retailers, what does this shift mean?
0: Well, it means that the Facebooks of the world, the Googles of the world are getting more of their, I mean, it's crazy. You have two gals in middle of nowhere starting a direct-to-consumer peanut butter brand and two years later spending more money on Facebook and Instagram than Like if you go talk to Facebook executives that run their business, they are getting way bigger budgets from companies you've never heard of and that is probably my favorite thing that's kind of going on, literally, literally. When you look at the top spenders on these platforms, it it will blow your mind. Literally a brand you've never heard of and that's because one trades on sales data and another one trades on internal MMMs or reporting.
1: Coming back to your earlier point, is there a danger in building your whole
0: brand on one platform? Yes. What is,
1: the, what, what is the danger
0: of that? You become one-dimensional. And a one-dimensional fighter is vulnerable. And instead of just like, making a fun statement, let me add a little bit to that. Look, anytime you're looking for growth, you know, this is actually a fun way to create some clarity about how I think about the world. I don't hate traditional media. I think over a long period of time it became overpriced. I actually love outdoor, for example. Outdoor gets seen, you know? Not everybody's looking at their phone every second, and, and if you really like, I love UI and UX in real life, uh, so I like outdoor quite a bit. I just like to buy it when it's remnant, and I can buy it for one month for 2,000 bucks instead of the 24,000 they want when you buy it for six month contract. So to me, the danger of being one-dimensional is why would you want to be one-dimensional, right? You're You're, you're gonna squeeze the crap out of one fruit and you've squeezed all the orange juice out of the orange but there's a grapefruit right here and you, you should start, the, and even if the grapefruit's small, there's still juice in there and so to me, I think about overpriced and underpriced attention and as real estate prices come down in a soft economy and more internet business, inevitably it's gonna turn and storefronts are gonna be a good buy. So there's a bunch of companies that are about to go out of business because they signed big leases seven years ago, didn't factor in e-com, and they're underwater, they'll go, demand for retail, everyone's a headline reader, like don't buy retail, it's the internet. So what will happen is demand will go down, so retail in two to three years, especially if the economy gets off, is gonna be a fucking deal for these brands that get walk-in, tra- I mean, still, everybody here bought something in a store recently. So. Um, yeah, there's just no reason to be one-dimensional.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think about these brands moving into physical retail spaces? Harry's in the UK is just in a big deal with boots. I
0: I'm into it. Okay. I think you expand your business, you've got the leverage as a TC brand. You know, the old world was you, got, you started a brand and you fucking paid mm-hmm. to get even a prayer of getting in. Now you build a hundred million dollar business direct to consumer and you're going in with leverage. This is one big game of leverage.
1: Well, I want to take some questions from the audience if there are any. I um, values to catch this flight. And just stick your hand it. Um, so your recent campaign with K-Swiss, you brought out, I saw it. It's incredible, by the way. Thank you. Um, that's very much a branded piece by yourself, I imagine. Where do you see that going, you know, and where is this kind of fitting into your vision of building brands?
0: So, just to catch up everybody, this week we launched the fourth collaboration with K-Swiss and what we decided to do this time was do an above, you know, I love eating my own dog food. So I'm yelling at everybody for not doing longer form brand videos to drive their business. And so I said, then I'll do it for this. So I, I and then I said, what's underpriced attention? Influencers are underpriced. So I reached out to a huge slew of influencers who follow me and offered to pay them and we made a very long-form video at Vayner Productions. I was very uninvolved, obviously, besides sitting and answering questions, which they used some of it in the video, but very little me in comparison to everything else. We made a long-form video that a bunch of influencers posted for awareness, and it was just a brand piece. It was just kind of more similar to the stuff I normally put out, but more production value. No different than the Dwayne Wade Budweiser piece we did, or the Maxwell House piece we did, and so... um, And the impact on sales was extraordinary, it, it, it drastically outperformed clouds and dirt which was more sales, more uh, of that approach and so you can imagine, and, and here's the best part, back to not caring about outdoor or radio or television, I didn't care if it was gonna fail because I know creative is the variable of success um, but it worked extremely well.
1: There's a lot of emotion as well you put
0: into it. Uh, yeah, I mean look, I, I apologize for cutting you off, if you're gonna make content, <clears throat> you need people to feel something when it's done. Whether they laugh, they cry, they think, like, you know, I mean, that was, that was the most important. If the video sucks shit, we wouldn't have sold sneakers. You know, and so, we went with a brand approach on digital because like I said in some meetings today with some of the leaders, I believe that digital, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, is the place to build brand, not do lower funnel sales. I think that's the place to do two, three, four, five, six minute videos, because I think that's the place where people are consuming information. It's not super complicated. And once everybody wraps their head around it, it's so funny to see the creative landscape push against this, because they put the emotion and the ideology of TVC on a pedestal. Meanwhile, every creative on Earth would much rather have two minutes and 13 seconds to tell a story than 30. Or at least the appropriate amount of time to tell the story versus being confined to a 30, a 15, or a six. You mentioned influencers there.
1: What role do they have in this D2C
0: world? A huge role. Influencers by nature are creative and distribution media all in the price of one with word of mouth, affirmation, and co-signing. They're the great deal of our industry, yet there's enormous scrutiny around it because people like headline reading instead of being practitioners. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, does anyone have any more questions that you want to
1: ask? What's the, the best What's question? your name? Uh, I'm Sam. Sam. You so start working, you guys. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, how do we keep track of like which channels are good value? Uh, so at the moment, outdoor, might not? be <sighs>
0: <sighs> It's a great question. We were just having this debate upstairs. Like, look, what you measure against is so imperative, right? You know, to me, if I'm a business, I'm trying to suffocate the shit out of everything I do to prove to me that it's driving. So for example, if I'm a retailer, which I grew up once so this one comes natural to me, I wanna do branded outdoor with actually a product and offering and not offer that product and offering anywhere else in the world so that I've suffocated the variables to understand that that was the channel that drove the behavior in my 713 stores against a $49,000 production cost and a $637,000 outdoor media spend. And the fact that we don't do that, over time made me realize how much the industry doesn't want to figure out the actual answers. You know, suffocating, having the actual intent. We do a lot of digital buying where we're doing one mile, two mile radius media spend against specific offer and we can show that, you know, there's a uptick in foot traffic versus your baseline and your average sale is higher than it was before because we clustered out other stores where they didn't do that. I mean, it's, you know, if you have true intent to prove the ROI and you're lucky enough to have some sort of transaction of some sorts, or something to anchor to. Even if it's a Nielsen rating on TV, which is their currency, or votes, or whatever it may be, um, you will get the answer. If it's simply brand health, then somebody's making a subjective call. No matter what report they use as gospel. Any
1: other
0: questions
1: from One, 51
0: coming yes. to the UK? Yes. When? We just had this discussion <laughs> with him. Um, uh, We're working on it. We, um, one thing that was very important to me is if this wine went into new markets, that that market didn't pay an extra vig where it was just paying more than the American consumer or to the best of my ability, because sometimes you, like we're going to Canada, Canada is a mafia. The whole country owns the whole ecosystem. You can only do so much. Um, So we're looking at several options. I uh, I think I'd be surprised if we weren't here within the next six months. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Sam. Sam. Yeah, Sam. Uh, by the way, did you guys see Gary will be extinct in the UK by 2050, yeah, yeah. you see that article? No,
1: since 1992.
0: There's not been a single kid named oh, Gary 92. in the UK since 1992. <laughs> I'm gonna super focus on my brand in this region to inspire at least one transaction. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Real quick and I apologize because this is gonna be value. I failed almost every class I took except history. And I never ever, and I mean this, knew why until recently. Basically, the reason I end up being right about a lot of things is the conversation you and I just had. Everything repeats itself. It's pattern recognition. That's right. That's why these brands are in deep fucking shit if they don't start building real brand. What they're doing that scares the fuck out of me is I think they're wasting 85 to 90 cents on every dollar they spend on marketing doing old things with old reports, which is the only thing they can do, which is contemporary branding to build relevance to offset the deep technology disadvantages they're sitting with. So what would you do if you were in hotels? Build brand. Because when this goes to voice, and I say, Alexa, book me a hotel, I better say, Alexa, book me a Marriott, or Marriott's gonna be upset. Alexa, book me a Four Seasons, or they're gonna be upset. Because when voice becomes the toll booth, not search, everyone's in deep shit. Because with search, at least you have a prayer of seeing another result. With voice, Amazon and Google pick. And then when Amazon and Google actually buy Starwood, people are very confused what's about to happen in the world. I think I'm less confused. (laughs) And that's what I do things that people make fun of and later, later revere. So, I highly recommend if you're capable of dealing with judgment and you have conviction, to do it. It always works out in the end.
1: The next place to end, I agree. See ya. <laughs> have
0: fun. I gotta run. I'm sure there's some people want to talk, but I'm I'm legitimately gonna miss this. So have fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. Thanks, guys, for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed. And more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. <laughs> have a great day.